This is Hallway Chats, where we meet people who use WordPress. We ask questions, and our guests share their stories, ideas, and perspectives. And now the conversation begins. This is episode 140. Welcome to Hallway Chats. I'm Tara Clays. And I'm Liam Dempsey. Today, we're joined by Hans Skolrud. Over the course of seven years, Hans built a 12-person web design agency in downtown Chicago and then sold it in early 2019 to focus attention on his new startup, Termageddon. Termageddon is an auto-updating privacy policy generator. Hans, welcome. Thanks for having me. Hey, glad to see you here today uh, virtually, Hans. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. I'd love for you to share more of your story here. Tell us more about yourself. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I like starting, I have to pick a divide somewhere. So I'm going to start it when I found WordPress uh, because pre, you know, I should date myself pre-WordPress and post-WordPress because that's really been a big determiner of my career. Um, yeah, we all have that that demarcation point, I think. You can start wherever you want, though. If you want to go back further, that's fine, too. <laughs> well, maybe a good example is how I got to WordPress. You know, I, I was sure. one of the first employees at Groupon. Uh, Groupon was a hot, young company uh, that was seemingly helping small businesses get more traffic through their doors. Um, and I drank the Kool-Aid, as we would say at Groupon. I very much believed in the model of discounting a company 50% off or more for one day only and, you know, bringing people together to try out a place. Um, over the years, though, that company uh, went public, and I think their priorities changed, and I shared my concerns with management. They disagreed, so I quit. I was managing a sales team of about 150 people, and I decided I don't like their business model anymore, and someone, a small business owner is passionate about what they do within their doors, but they aren't necessarily passionate about bringing that information online. And that was what Groupon was taking advantage of, in my opinion. So what I set off to do was to help small business owners share what they do best online. And I think that message, you know, that was the, that was the fuel to my midnight, midnight fire, midnight oil. I'm always so bad with those things. <laughs> it was the fuel to my fire um, to, uh, to, you know, help the small business owner out. And over the course of seven years, um, I found WordPress. I started building WordPress websites, um, helping small business owners with their exposure online. And the company was successful. I, I built it up to a 12-person team in downtown Chicago. And um, I happened to be dating a privacy attorney at the time. And I told her how I used to copy and paste privacy policies over dinner. And her jaw dropped. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, that's what everyone does. She's like, that's not what you do anymore. Not, not when we're dating. Uh, and through a few discussions, we decided uh, we, we came up with the business model for Termageddon, uh, uh, which we I now have sold my agency and focus all of my time with Donata on. Um, Termageddon is a privacy policy generator. Um, what's cool about our tech is that you copy and paste an embed code from Termageddon onto the website. And that's what allows us to push updates to the policies when the laws change. Um, and we give web agencies a free set of our policies in the hopes that they like our product enough to want to offer Termageddon to their clients. Um, they can resell it or use our affiliate programs, whatever they wish. Um, but, but what we're trying to teach the web industry is something I failed at multiple times, which is the era of copying and pasting privacy policies is over, people. Like, we have to accept the future, what is about to happen, especially in America with privacy laws. 
Um, so that's where my focus is now. Um, I am married to Donata. Um, and uh, you guys are the first people I get to say that publicly to, which is Yay. really cool. Um, and yeah, we work from home now um, and we run term again together and, and the rest is history. Great, great story. There's a lot there to unpack and talk about. So I'm going to go back to the beginning part because I'm curious about Groupon as somebody who used it and hasn't really seen much of it. Is it true? It sounds like, and I don't remember when that was that Groupon became a thing, but was that before small businesses had websites? Is that uh, what no, you're saying? Websites were definitely a thing. It was, it was okay. 2009 when Groupon, which was typically or previously called The Point, which I love that website name, thepoint.com, because what someone would just say, what's the point? And you're like, oh, you know, it's a kind of joke. <laughs> um, but The Point became Groupon and I shortly joined Groupon. Um, uh, but websites were still around. That was 2010. And, um, you know, I was, I was um, it was a wild ride watching a company go from 100 employees to 30,000 in three years, in two years. Yeah. Um, and my career went along with it. Um, uh, because of its growth, I naturally, I was put in a position to manage people, which was a wonderful opportunity. Um, I love sales. I love sales. Um, I love sales because I think a lot of people think of sales as bad. And mm. I always try to say, no, 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 no. People are bad or people are good. It is sales is just a communication channel. So I only want to do good things with sales. Um, and, and that's how I train my sales team. So that's something I really appreciated at Groupon. They, they gave me the ability to do that uh, for a while. Um, but I felt like once the company went public, priorities had changed. And now all of a sudden we need to be focused on taking additional margins from small business owners. And, you know, that sounds good and all, but when you're talking to a small business owner, asking them to discount themselves more than 50%, and then you're taking more than, well, you're taking, well, it's public knowledge. You're taking more than 50% of a revenue raised. I don't know. Some didn't feel right. So yeah, yeah. that's when I decided it was no longer fit. And at least if you look at the stock market and how Groupon's performed over the last 10 years, I think I was correct, but who knows? <laughs> well, it's interesting that you made a change based on, you know, sort of an ethical feeling that you had and that you were strong enough or confident enough to do that. Cause it sounds like you were doing well there. This was one of, you were probably quite young. I'm imagining like it was, you said it was maybe your first or second job out of school. And so, you know, a lot of people would ride that along and wouldn't really think about what you're describing. So I think that's really admirable and uh, I'm glad to hear it. And thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my thought is if you're going to spend eight to 10 hours a day of your life, towards mm -hmm. something like why would you do it towards something that doesn't make you feel good <laughs> like that is that yeah. is like almost half of your life goes yeah. to something that you're not proud of and and when and i don't know if you remember this but when groupon first started it was a 24-hour flash sale and oh and, and, and it only went if like a thousand or more people bought so it was special it was so special because yes a business was discounting themselves but it wasn't like permanent it was like a flash sale and it was meant to be that extra push to having all the people who've been saying, oh, I've been meaning to try that place to finally taking out their car and making a purchase and now committing to coming and trying a place. And that's what I loved about it. Yeah. Um, it was small enough. Huh? And it was small enough that you didn't have a cupcake shop getting 100,000 orders. That's exactly correct. That they couldn't, you know, how they ever going to deliver that in three weeks and try to sell on top of that kind of thing. Oh, the thought is just yeah painful <laughs> um but there were so many success stories during those first couple months and years uh the first year i would say and 
Um, and that's what I loved. And that's what I fell in love with. And as, as Groupon started to turn that one day, 24 hour flash sale into one week, two months, six months ongoing, I was just like, this isn't special to me anymore. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, decided to leave. Yeah. Interesting. So what if you left and you started to think about web design and getting into supporting the, those smaller businesses in different ways, why WordPress? Well, um, it was a phone call. I was offering social media at the time, the social media services. Um, as you all know, the barrier to entry to social media marketing, to web design, they're all very low. And so me being naive and not really understanding everything, I had my low barrier to entry. I had a lot of time on my hands and a lot of work ethic in, in my like in my heart, I guess. Um, and it was a phone call from a guy. Um, I called him. I said, Hey, you know, do you need social media services? And he's like, no, but can you build websites? And I'm sitting there with my phone against my shoulder to my ear and I'm Google searching, how do you build websites? And I telling him on the phone, of course I can build websites as I'm Google searching, how do you build websites? And I remember it was, um, I, I closed in on, I think it was Drupal. Drupal and WordPress, and I just happened to pick WordPress. And I, I, at the time, it was a 50-50. I could have watched the YouTube video that talked about Drupal. So I think my lucky star is that I clicked the WordPress video instead of Drupal, and, and I was just hooked. I was just hooked. And, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I felt like websites were created by the, the, the warlocks or wizards of our times, you know, the magicians of our times. And so it was an extremely liberating a feeling inside of me. I felt like I could really provide a service to this world. And, and that was, uh, it was over after that website. I, I just, I was absolutely hooked from there on out. So, and that's when I used to clock in like 16 hour work days, happily, happily, yeah. I would, you know, put in the time because it was just so exciting to learn things like Envato, remember, you know, theme forest and stuff. Oh, those are the days. Yeah. Well, how did that website turn out? It sounds like you totally fake, you did the fake it till you make it kind of thing with that guy. Yeah. And you know, at the time it wasn't, you know, it wasn't fake it till you make it in my mentality. It was like, I'm going to figure this out. Right. And this guy's going to get a great service. And I think he paid me like $400. Like, <laughs> and I probably put like 400 hours. Into it, so. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, you're right though. It was fake it till you make it. But at the time it was just, I'm not going to stop until this guy has a working website. And yeah. I'm a lot riding on that mentally, at least. And, um, and, and actually, the site came out great. I really liked it. Um, it's a seven-year-old site, so I don't think it's around anymore. But it was for a bar in Lincoln Park in Chicago. And cool. uh, it's kind of your, it was like a neighborhood bar. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was very well received. They were very That's happy cool. with the And that was long enough ago in WordPress that you still had to do a fair amount of kicking to the theme to get it to do what you wanted to do. I mean, it, especially if your, your default position is not to write code or to try to get some code from somewhere and see if it works. <laughs> uh, it, it doesn't have the drag and drop and, and all powerful themes that are around today. Yeah. Very quickly found finding myself using something called Photoshop. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I got very acclimated with that platform as well. And uh, yeah. And yeah, certainly uh, over the years, uh, quite a few things uh, went through. I had 75 websites get hacked overnight when Heartbleed hit. You remember Heartbleed? Yeah. Because uh, of Revolution Slider, they had that that vulnerability. And that's when I learned that paying for cheap hosting gets you cheap support, mm-hmm. gets you cheap hosting as well. So, you know, that's when I started to think about, 
you know, you get what you pay for in life. And that's one of the best lessons you can learn in web development. Um, you get what you pay for. Um, that's a lot of cleanup work too. That's not two sites or five, 75. Wow. Yeah. 75 websites. I worked 28 straight hours, uh, 28 straight hours fixing it all. Uh, but it was extremely liberating too. Like I had never managed the WordPress uh, database before. I, I figured that out real quick. You know? <laughs> and I figured out a rhythm, like how to identify what, where the hacks are and how to fix it. And, you know, it was as stressful as it was. It was also exhilarating, you know, yeah. having to figure things out and, and everything, everything's riding on you. You know, it's, it's, I loved it. I loved it. I lost all my hair because of it, but I loved it. <laughs> Well, it's interesting because what you're describing so far in your trajectory, it's, I'll describe it the way I'm seeing it as reactive. Like you're learning reactively. Somebody says, I need this. And I mean, we all do this. I certainly have done it. That's how you learn. If somebody says, I need this and you say, I can do it. And then you learn how to do it. Now, transitioning to what you're doing now, you're, it's the other way around, right? You are looking, you are actually proactively going after an opportunity that you see and, um, and growing this business that you're, that you've developed with your wife. And I would love to hear more about it. I've, I have, um, seen on social media about Termageddon, um, but I'm, what you've described just in the opening is more than what I knew about it already. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about, um, the process and, uh, and, working as a team with your new wife and, uh, and that. So tell us about that. Uh, I would love to, if you wouldn't mind, I would love to talk about a very important transition while running my agency yeah. and like what, what really turned the reactive to proactive before we jump into term again, if that's okay. Uh, because I really, that yeah, said reactive that you're absolutely right. That's exactly how I started the agency, but the fundamental shift, the fundamental shift, in my agency, what, when I was able to start scaling it was when I learned how to say no. When I learned how to say no to prospects and say, I'm not doing that because that's not a good fit for what I want to do and what I want to offer this world, everything changed. When I told, when I, and I had some staff at that time, when I said, no, I'm not building that website or I'm not solving that, I'm not, so, I'm not doing another heart bleed, you're going to figure it out. That was the moment everything shifted and I started truly running a business in my opinion. And we started generating, we created standard operating procedures. We created best practices within our space. And, and what we also did is we got rid of social media. We got rid of email marketing. We got rid of AdWords. We got rid of Facebook ads. We just did web design and hosting and maintenance. And it was crazy because in my mind, I'm like, oh, we're doing so much less. Things are going to get so much worse. Opposite happened. We, got, we took on projects we loved. We started charging way more money than we would have ever guessed someone would pay for it. And, you know, um, and that was really when I realized I'm running a business here and I have to look out for what's best to run this business. I need to be running a profitable company. And the only way I thought I could do it is by closing in and rather than being kind of good at everything, getting really good at one thing. And that was, mm. that was the aha moment. And, what and, was the catalyst for that? What that's, was that like a, a process in and it of itself? Did you have someone advising you? I did not have anyone advise, uh, well, I had a business partner um, that helped um, really unfold what standard operating procedures were and how to develop those. But I would definitely say that in the WordPress community, if you are looking for that, there are so many uh, mastermind groups that talk about this, um, so many Facebook groups that talk about this. Um, so um, what I would recommend is uh, looking into those groups. But for me, it was, um, it was when I did not want to do 
it was okay. I got it. It was when I mentally decided 16 hour workdays is not the appropriate way to run a business. That was really when I realized like, great Hans, you got a work ethic. You take a lot of pride in your work ethic. That's great and all, but you are not helping your staff excel and have them improve themselves and themselves. Because when you take on the little work, because they don't understand how to do it, when you take on that work, you are preventing them from growing. And, and, I, and I don't know exactly what exact situation it was, but it was when I started to say, no, I'm not doing it. Because I felt like I was going to be a horrible boss by saying, I'm not doing that. But it actually was, sure, there was some scraping of knees and figuring things out. But my staff, they all became far better in me than in whatever area they were focused on. My designers knew, like, fast forward four or five years, they're still with me. They were just insane, like what they were able to do with JavaScript and CSS. And, and, and my, my support team was just able to provide such a much better level of support than I was ever, ever able to do. So by saying no, I opened up the opportunity for all my smart, intelligent staff to take it from there. So... That's a tough bridge to cross, isn't it? Because as as the owner, you're the leader, I'll do it. I won't ask you to do what I won't do kind of thing. But I couldn't agree with you more unless you step back and allow others the space to learn and to grow and to fail and to support them in their failure and you know, not you know throw them over the edge and see if they can swim, but you know throw them out into the water with a life vest on kind of thing. That's, that's, that's really interesting the way that you were able to do that and how that led to an increase in the at least worldly success of your company. It sounds like, you know, the kind of the psychological and emotional success. You seemed like you were a lot happier once you made that transition from what I'm gathering. Very much so. I went from stressed and poor to uh, to making money and, and not stressed. And not stressed in the same way, right? Certainly not. Um, the, new levels of stress, uh, that, that that's for sure, but um, better. Yeah, well, stress never goes away. It just changes shape. That's right. That's <laughs> the ultimate right. changeling. Let me let me ask you about success, Hans, if I can. And one of our signature questions is, is focused on exactly that. How would you define success? Maybe it's a personal definition, maybe a professional definition. Maybe for you, it's a combination of both. What's your definition of success? My definition of success is the moment you realize that you dictate your reality and you control your future. Um, Stoicism has been a very important part of my development as a, as a boy to a man, I would say. Um, realizing that, you know, you can't control what other people do. Um, you can only control your perceptions of things. Um, and that is something I wish all people to experience. I, I want everyone, I hope people kind of get off social media maybe a little bit more and kind of think of it a more, maybe they reflect a little bit more um, and they realize that, you are in control of your own destiny. No matter where you are, in any situation, you are in control of your destiny because it is your perception of your reality that that dictates everything. Yeah, I love that. And I, I heard that early on and you're talking about being a salesperson and I was actually going to say something about that, about it. You can you can define how you view something. It's not, doesn't have to be how other people view it. Like you were talking about sales being something that people think, you know, negatively about, or people say they don't like to do. And you viewed it in a completely different way. You chose to view it in a positive way as a growth opportunity. And, and uh, so I noticed that approach that you have to life early on. So it's, 
it fits right into your definition of success. Thanks for sharing that with yeah. us. I appreciate it, it. It reminds me actually, right before we started recording, we were talking about the virtual wedding we I just had. Yeah. I think a lot of people would just be upset and mad. Like I don't get to see my family. And of course we were upset. Like we're sad that we didn't get to see our family, but what we did do is we looked at the pros and we, we found so many pros and so many wonderful things that came with it. And, and, and I said this so many times in life, there are pros and cons. Whenever looking at a situation, there are pros and cons to everything or it's fact, you know, there's, it, it, you know, it's, it's so, so why not just focus on the pros? Because that's what your, your mind is going to focus on. If you, if you have your mind focused on positive things, then you are going to have a positive life. And I would, I would put money on that one. Yeah. Um, that's so. awesome. Thanks. Thanks. Um, okay. That was yeah. hard earned. That was hard earned. Um, yeah. you know, it was something that like you come by easily. This is, you know, when I say success and how I define it, I'm not saying this is just something you can turn up hallway chats and then you all of a sudden enlightened. You, yeah. You darn. <laughs> a little bit more than that. Um, yeah. Do you think, out. <laughs> do you think that you, um, that you learned that, 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 that was something that you grew up with, or do you think that you learned that on your own as, as an adult, as you were going through, you know, these different phases of your career? I learned it on my own, uh, yeah. for sure. Um, the fact is the web industry is a low barrier to entry business, uh, meaning that there's a lot of competition that can come in the next day. They're a web developer and that creates, um, well, probably a whole separate hallway chats type discussion. Um, but, um, it creates a very competitive environment where people feel like they need to offer low pricing to get business done. And, um, and through the struggles of finances and figuring things out, how to build websites came a lot of reflection and like thinking about what I want. Like I always want to take care of the other people, but when I realized I have to take care of myself too, because that's actually a longer term way to take care of other people. That was kind of the start uh, to, to it and everything. And, and then I went vegan too. That was another experience <laughs> I never would have saw coming. I watched a documentary uh, called Cowspiracy and I had my guard down because I thought it was like a UFO abducting cows and it's a co government conspiracy. And I thought Cowspiracy was just like a short word for that. Uh, so I had my guard down and I, I was cooking a pot roast when I watched it. And I watched this thing and it just <laughs> knocked my socks off. And I decided to go vegan. I, I've been vegan for four years now. Um, wow. And this is not a become a vegan agenda uh, by any stretch of the word. Um, uh, what it was, was like the first time I realized, like, just because I'm fed information doesn't mean I have to think that way. And I can think things differently than what the mainstream thinks. And there's a lot of liberation that comes in to when you start doing things that are maybe a little bit against the grain or maybe, it, but, but you do it because inside your heart, you feel a way and you want to practice that. Um, and that, I would say that was another part of me kind of coming to the conclusions that I've come to. So. Increased sense of awareness. I would say that's a very good description. Yeah. In fact, maybe another definition of success would be the ability to be in the present um, as much as possible. Yeah, that's cool. Thank you. Thank you. I want to go back to one of the questions that Tara asked and you didn't answer because like Tara, I have heard of your business. I've heard of what you're doing over there at Termageddon and it's on my radar of things that, oh, I should check that out. And then life and then life again and then COVID-19 and, and all the world. This isn't a sales pitch or a sales podcast by any means, but tell us about the product. What does it work? How does that, how does, how do, what's in it for folks and, and, and how do you support them? 
Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, before talking about a solution, you always have to talk about the problem. And I feel like there's a lot of education that needs to occur in our industry um, and just in Amer for American small businesses. Very few people realize that there are p privacy bills out there in America that will enable citizens to sue businesses for having as little as a contact form on their website. New York, for example, has this bill. New York is a very big state. Once New York passes a bill, um, they, New Yorkers will be able to sue businesses of any size in any location for having as little as a contact form on their website without the proper disclosures compliant with New York privacy law. And, and, and this needs to be something that is shared with people. And I think it all starts with a web agency because a web agency, they are much more in tune to tech than their end client who hired you to help with the tech. So we all know that privacy is important, but we kind of want to avoid it. And I will admit that I tried to avoid it like the plague for a very long time. Um, but the reality is, is that five years from now, we're going to be looking back at these times and saying to ourselves, remember when people used to just collect your information, your name and email on forms, and they wouldn't say what they do with it? Like that will come just like how an SSL certificate. Five years ago, an SSL was kind of a nice thing to have. You know, it's required for e-commerce, but beyond that, it's like a nice thing to have. Nowadays, when you go to a website that's not secure, you're, you're weirded out. At least I am. I'm like, I don't feel safe on this website. I think the same thing's going to happen with privacy. We have 23 privacy bills in America, each on a state-by-state -state basis. Each one of these will give citizens of that state certain rights, and those citizens can either complain and a business could be fined, or, or they can just sue the business. And, and what needs to be understood is that these state privacy laws, they protect the citizens and they don't care where the citizen is going to visit a website. So, uh, you know, I'm in, I'm in Chicago. I don't care. I, when I Google search, I could care less about where the website business operator is located. I just go to Google, I do my search and I find my search results. And herein lies the issue is that if you're a small business and you collect the personal information of people from across state lines, you not only need to comply with your state privacy laws, you need to comply with any privacy law from wherever you're getting inquiries from. And how the heck is a small business owner going to afford to have a privacy attorney monitor privacy laws and then, and then update your privacy policies when the laws change? It'll be astronomical. There's 23 privacy bills right now in America. And there's three states that already have privacy laws. So that's why we created Termageddon. We're, we're $99 a year. And uh, what it is, is it's a privacy policy solution. And we call it a solution because you not only can generate a privacy policy quickly through our platform, but instead of copying and pasting a privacy policy onto your page, we copy and paste our embed code onto your privacy policy page. And that's what allows us at Termageddon to push updates to it when the laws change. So our model is very simple. You pay $99 a year, it becomes our job to monitor privacy laws, notify you when new laws have gone into effect or existing laws have been amended, and then push updates to your privacy policies when these laws change, helping you stay compliant and up-to-date when um, new laws go into effect. Um, and so that's the, that's the offering. But how do we get to the end business? Because I will bet just about anything, there's no small business out there, especially in America, that, I mean, they probably know privacy policies. They may even think it's like, okay, maybe I should have one, but they have no idea what's about to happen. They have no idea. Like in the privacy community, because obviously we are very involved with privacy attorneys and the privacy community, like back when we used to have beers together, uh, we were sitting there being like, what is happening in America? Like it is about to get nuts. And 
So what we're trying to do is we're trying to educate the web industry because that's the industry I know. That's the industry I love. Like, and I want to help web agencies become aware of these privacy laws and even have a solution to help their clients protect themselves. And that's why we, with Termageddon, our business model is that we give web agencies a free set of our policies, truly free, free forever, in the hopes that you use it for your own website and also in the hopes that you love it. Um, because if you do, we offer the ability for them to resell our Termageddon licenses. They can buy licenses at wholesale rates, buy them one at a time. Just each time you have a new client, you can buy another wholesale license, invoice your client for a setup fee and the, and the thing, uh, and, and the license fee. Um, and then we have an affiliate program where we will personally walk your client through the setup process. The client pays us directly, and then we pay you a recurring commission for the lifetime of each referral. So I've hit on the pain points of at least of what I had as an agency owner, which is I need more recurring revenues. I need to show more value to my clients on a recurring basis. And it hits on the client level, which is I don't want to pay an attorney 50 grand a year to monitor privacy laws uh, when my private my website's not really doing that in, that intensive data collection. I just have a contact form where I just have Google Analytics. So yeah, so yeah that's the problem and solution. That's really smart. It's really <laughs> smart. And it is, I mean, it is something that, I mean, I think WordPress now, a new install comes with a blank privacy policy page, doesn't it? Or some kind of policy, privacy policy built into it. Uh, and it's something that clients certainly ask about. And I love your marketing solution of going to agencies where you can then, you know, reach a lot of small businesses who otherwise aren't in the loop. Um, okay, well, here's a, here's a tricky I, I, question. Go ahead. Um, so what kind of guarantee do you offer? Like what, like what, because I put a privacy policy on a client's page. I'm not a lawyer. I don't, you know, whatever something happens, I don't, I can't promise just like I can't promise they're not going to get sued for an ADA compliance issue or something like yep. that. Right. We don't make those promises. Very few agencies do. Some are ADA experts and they charge a lot of money to do that. But, but similarly, I'm just wondering what, how, your wife is a lawyer. So how do you protect yourself in this case as well? Absolutely. No, it's a great question. And I'll go back to the fact that WordPress offers a privacy policy by default. Um, it's a wonderful step towards raising awareness that privacy policies are important. Um, unfortunately, the template's not compliant with any single privacy law. Um, and, and, and if you ask the contributors to the, to help, who help build that privacy policy feature of WordPress, they'll be the first ones to say, no, these are not compliant. They're intended to raise awareness of what's happening. Um, too few people, and, and that's why I think the WordPress adding a default privacy policy, it's beautiful in the sense that it added awareness. It's ter terrifying that I think a lot of people are using it and thinking their life is now solved. Their problem is now solved. That's what concerns me. So it's just in life, pros and cons. Um, so when it comes to our side and guaranteeing, just like how you don't guarantee ADA compliance, we cannot guarantee that um, you won't get sued. Because we're in America, and, and, and obviously Termageddon Services UK and Canada as well, but um, uh, we can't, just like an attorney, can't guarantee you won't get sued. Termageddon can't guarantee you won't get sued. Uh, but what I would say is like looking at our setup, you know, we have the vice chair of the American Bar Association who runs uh, American Bar Association's e-privacy committee that is in charge of ensuring that our policies are top-notch. Um, uh, we obviously use a lot of software and speak with a lot of privacy attorneys on best practices and our entire business model is focused on making sure no one gets in trouble. Um, so I would say that that is, um, hopefully good enough motivation into saying that we try to provide the most comprehensive policies in the world. Um, now 
The reason why we can't offer a guarantee is because when we ask this, a question, do you sell the personal information that you collect? You could say yes, and we would have no, none the wiser. We can't control what you actually do with the information you collect. So if you say, no, I don't sell information, but you do, and then you get sued, that's why we have our disclaimer saying, you know, we're not a legal service provider because we aren't, we aren't, we don't know if you're lying when you fill out this questionnaire. Um, and, but what, obviously what we do is we try to make the questionnaires as understandable as possible so that you can add the appropriate disclosures, which are required by law. Hans, I feel like we could go on for this for hours and hours and hours, but. but I don't know. It's privacy policy. It's pretty boring stuff. I was <laughs> <laughs> enthralled. Let me, let me slide in with one last question if I can. And it's really another one of our signature ones. And it's about advice. What's the best advice you've ever been given, received, come across, read, and successfully implemented in your life? Um, you dictate your reality. And I know that's the same answer as to what you define as success, but it, is, it has been the hallmark to my life. Um, it has transformed my perception of how to look at things. Um, and it is by far um, the most influential in my life. And and, and, and I can put this into example. Um, I realized that, you know, one day I hope to have kids. And like, and I was thinking about this, you know, when I met Donata, because I fell in love with her from the moment I met her. And I started thinking about like long-term what I want to do. And when I had to come to decide, do I want to sell my agency? It became a lot easier of a decision to make. It was still difficult, but I, it was a lot easier of a decision to make because I thought, my future, I see my reality being able to raise children in my own house, running a company with my wife where we're together and we can create an environment that nurtures our children far better than me working, you know, 12 hour days in downtown Chicago and then t moving to a tiny apartment. So that's where I was like, you know what, I see my right, I see my reality being this and that's how I dictated it. Yeah, I love that. That's fantastic. What a, what a way to take us out. Over to you, Tara. Yeah, that's great. You're forward thinking. You're no longer reactive. So you're no longer completely reactive. flipped. I love seeing that. It's great. Thank you so much for sharing all this. I could like, I just put in Slack to Liam, I'm engrossed. You have to ask the question. I'm going to keep going down. I was really, it's been great chatting with you. I'm sorry that we're out of time. Um, where can people find you online? Uh, Deep Space Hans on Twitter. My handle is Deep Space Hans. I, I hang out on Twitter uh, when I am on social media. Um, but you could always always go to Termageddon and uh, fill out a form submission. I'm happy to talk if you haven't noticed. So if you ever want to chat, I, I would love to chat. Sounds great. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you both. Bye. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the show. We sure hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you like what we're doing here, meeting new people in our WordPress community, we invite you to tell others about it. We're on iTunes and at hallwaychats.com. Better yet, ask your WordPress friends and colleagues to join us on the show. Encourage them to complete the Beyond the Show form on our site to tell us about themselves.